0: As a physical therapist, it's got physical in the in the name, but my goal is to change the way you think. And I actually really approach it that way. Because if you had a physical problem and you didn't need help or to change the way you think about it, you wouldn't be at physical therapy. You'd be on your own with it going away because it was just a physical thing. But now you need to, you've come to an impasse, right? Where something needs to change. And I think actually often the rules need to change and how you think needs to change.
1: What's going on, everybody? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast Reconnect with everyone, from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am amped to bring you my conversation with the guy that has been my saving grace over the last three months, my physical therapist, Luke Greenberg. Luke is the co-founder of Motive, which is a physical therapy studio over in Nolita here in New York City. They offer coaching, programming, and recovery, and I would be lost (laughs) without his guidance. I have navigated a slew of, I refer to it in the episode as wonkiness from plantar fasciitis being intense to kind of feeling as though it disappeared to coming back some new tendonitis in my left knee. We talk about it all in today's episode, but the meat and potatoes of today's episode is really addressing the biggest takeaways I have from working regularly for the first time ever during a marathon training cycle with a physical therapist. It has been helpful in so many ways, all of which we talk about in today's episode. For anyone who has ever had questions about what they should look for in a physical therapist, how to navigate the costs of this sort of treatment, and how to know if you are working with the right person. Well, this episode is entirely for you. Luke and I talk about the benefits of physical therapy that might not be something you see outlined on the website, including the mental benefits of having a coach in your corner, what it means to have awareness in your body, and a super popular topic in my DMs, how to know if you should run through the pain or stop moving altogether. This episode is not exclusively for runners. There are so many helpful takeaways in here, regardless of what your go-to way to move is. Luke is so, so knowledgeable. The team at Motive is absolutely excellent. And I cannot thank him enough for all of his help in gearing up for this marathon. Also, Motive is offering all of you something special. They are giving you access to their digital mobility library, absolutely free. This is only for hurdle listeners. In the mobility library, you'll get access to a bunch of good stuff to help you move better, including everything from standalone courses, including intro to hip mobility, a 10 day shoulder reset and kettlebell tutorials, plus kin stretch classes and other mobility must-haves. Otherwise, $25 a month. This is a freebie that you do not want to miss out on. To get access to it, click the link in the show notes or head to courses.motivny.com. That's M-O-T-I-V-N-Y.com and use the code hurdle at checkout to get a free month of the mobility library. Make sure you're following at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Luke Greenberg. He is my physical therapist. How are you doing today?
0: Wonderful day. Beautiful Monday. I think we're hitting 70 today, which feels like it's like still summer-ish. So that's good.
1: It's a treat. Yeah. I know, even though I'm already in long pants and long sleeves. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just prepping for that London weather. Scary. Scary. Yeah. I know. So, Luke is. Does it actually
0: rain a lot in London? I never actually know if that's a rumor.
1: No, it's not a rumor. It's fact. Okay. It will. Knocks on desk next to me. It will not be (laughs) raining this weekend. Luke and I are recording this on Monday. I leave on Thursday and I run a marathon on Sunday. And so it felt only right to finally have Luke in the hurdle studio to talk about the things that I've learned spending an abundant amount of time with you
0: over the last three months. Which are last-minute Band-Aids to make sure that you can survive a marathon, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <No. laughs> I, figure, I figure if I asked you to come in here, I would get more bing for my buck. Yeah. Because sure. we could just talk about my body <laughs> for the next 30 minutes with relevant takeaways for everyone that's listening to this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll also see you on Wednesday, and then I'm off. Good plan. Good plan. Cool. So uh, a little background, I would say. I... When would you say was the first time I came to PT? Probably like actually about... Two years ago first, Okay, so Luke and I met about two years ago. I started going to him sporadically at best for PT about two years ago. And this marathon training cycle was the first time that I committed to going to PT weekly unless coached otherwise. There was a point in there where I had an every other week, your body's doing really well cadence. Mm -hmm. If only that moment... (laughs) (laughs) What's <laughs> <was> right now
0: <laughs> just a little bit of volume related challenges but nothing too unusual i think
1: nothing too unusual so upon going to pt for the last three months i definitely learned a lot and that is what luke and i are going to get into talking about today first and foremost i think the lesson that really rings the loudest for me is that i have a new found awareness of what's going on in my body let's talk a little bit about why awareness is really beneficial especially if you're going to push yourself toward really any athletic goal
0: i mean if we start immediately in the example of runners like when i as a therapist encounter a person it's impossible to interpret exactly what's going on in their body just by you know even just putting your hands on them or watching them move Um, you need to get some information from that person of how they're experiencing training, what they think they're trying to do when they run, what they think they're trying to do when they stretch. Right. And those, uh, I think a lot of times the art of therapy is putting a match to what you are perceiving or testing of that person with what they are perceiving or testing in themselves. And, uh, it turns out that a lot of clients are not actually readily perceiving or testing anything. And they're kind of just you know, rolling down the hill of a training program or maybe even not that. They're maybe just kind of running when they feel like they have the time. So I think that to me is the most interesting thing about working with people uh, and how I really enjoy like kind of thinking that therapists and motive become a part of that person's life and then like understanding what they're trying to get done.
1: Right, right. So it's bigger than just it's bigger than just like come in, put a bandaid on this thing, not getting an understanding about who this person is, what their goals are. To get a holistic idea of how you can help that person is the best way to help that person.
0: Yeah, and I think that um, you need to put your mind inside of multiple facets of their life. And if you just you know put your hands on them only and that's your perception, that's not going to help them necessarily correct or understand what they're doing with themselves But as a side, quick story, I had a client once that I, I knew as a friend and was working with them on weightlifting stuff. And then all of a sudden this person had a running injury pop up and I hadn't been thinking about running in the context of that athlete, if you will, uh, never really watched them run. So they went through like a bout of therapy for like six or eight weeks. Things were kind of the same. And then one day for, I don't know why, you know, reshifting my attention decided, Hey, we should look at running. I don't know why we didn't do this already. And then in that one session, we identified something that they were doing unintentionally, intentionally, if you will, uh, that was sort of sabotaging and then problem solved, right? So if you kind of just apply traditional application, uh, you can run into problems, I think, more often or lack of success, if you will.
1: So then let's circle back to that concept of awareness. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have an awareness over your body?
0: Um, To me, I think it's... Uh, using your mind consciously in the activities you're doing to try to put attention into multiple places of your body or multiple intentions or activities. I think uh, we tend to get too focused on the result, which is Emily ran the Chicago Marathon in 3 hours, 28 minutes, and 8 seconds. Okay, great. That's true. That happened. We all agree that that happened. But if you could, you should try to have some awareness to how your movements are changing, how your breathing is changing, how those changes in breathing are affecting how tense you are. Um, and all of those things can be factors in injuries. And we've found like a high level of success with people starting to put their head in that space. And I think to apply specifically to sport, that's a really good way to think of awareness. Um, and it starts with just mindful trying, and then hopefully coached and guided of, you know, again, making that match, right? So. Um, I think when you and I started working together on this bout of therapy, um, I don't know how much you want to talk about specifically what had been going on, but I think there was a stark difference from the previous time that we had worked together where you were really engaged with making routine changes and behavioral changes and looking at yourself while doing training in a way that you hadn't before. Maybe because like plantar fasciitis as a thing was really more, uh. Running scary. I don't know. Maybe that raised the stakes, or maybe it was just timing. But I think maybe that was uh, a big change from the previous time that right. we had had done therapy, where it was a little bit more. Okay, I got my drills. Kind of doing my drills. Okay, it got better. Got better, and then, you know if if that makes sort of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's so interesting for me because like you and I have spoken about. I'm grateful for the awareness, but at times it feels like a double-edged sword. Like Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel that I'm so aware in my body now that the second something starts to feel off, Mm -hmm. I turn into Emily, the athletic hypochondriac instead. (laughs) I would Mm -hmm. say at least briefly, I have this moment where I'm like, oh, what is this? What's this a sign of? Am I doing something that was part of the plan in a way that maybe that's a little off? So that's Mm -hmm. why this new thing is arising. So genuinely, it has been really interesting for me to understand more about my body, but then also pull back on that like tendency to go hypochondriac mm-hmm. knowing that every little thing doesn't mean that the world is collapsing around me
0: yeah yeah i think that if you know that personality type about yourself that you're a person who uh would respond really well to being coached more actively than maybe being completely independent you know and i think that probably really stabilizes the mindset mm-hmm. um, creating boundaries, I think, is is a really interesting way to think about it. And boundaries can be kind of positive and negative. So you shouldn't always think of them as negative, right? So you can actually push yourself to that boundary. And if you've done things in an intelligent manner, you've created a stepwise, you know, further, wider boundary that you're now approaching, right? So when we started working with plantar fasciitis, it was like, okay, runs are what? Three minutes at a time, run, walk. And then, okay, we need to change really Specific things about how your body thinks it's doing the things it's doing Build on that tolerance And then you're doing 5k runs then you're doing four mile runs and that boundary is expanding and that gives you confidence um, And the ability to start to understand what you normal at that point in time kind of feels like I think
1: and Not judging or getting to a place where you are less angry about the fluctuation of normal mm-hmm. that is so important when it comes to managing any injury, right? Because in that moment, whatever your baseline is, is probably different than it was maybe a day, five days ago, and mm-hmm. can be different in five days, a week, two months, as long as you have the grace to move that way, to shift that way, mm-hmm. which is challenging, especially when you're in the heat of the moment, right? Like if you have a goal and you're you're chasing a certain thing, like yes, you're going to be emotional about that, yeah, but – to have the self-awareness to know, like, this is just how it is right now and move from there, it's critical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, I think that often patients come in and they tell you about what their normal is and, like, things that they experience without realizing they're doing so. Like a uh, client with back pain, for example. They might notice that their back is worse because now they can't touch their toes and two days ago they could, you know. And something like that that you, if you're a little bit more attuned to yourself, you'll, you'll, you'll and then you think it matters because you've looked at it. You can start to understand where the boundaries are, or when you've maybe pushed a little too far, and you've uh, you need to step back that boundary just slightly. And I think that to me, that's the most powerful way for a person to become independent as an athlete. Um, and the, the people that are able to do that are the people that have the least recurrent, like significant pains. Yeah, people that train have nags you know it just happens but you can kind of temper that very well if you're if you're looking at things in this way
1: and this definitely transitions to probably the next biggest lesson that i've learned from my time working with you is that there are certain things that can happen or certain injuries or certain wonkiness whatever word you want to use and some of them you can work through and some of them you need to give them time right Mm -hmm. and it goes back to that really emotional place right because you don't work hard for something not to go as you had originally planned right Mm -hmm. but at times with our body when we want to think long term sometimes deviating from the plan is actually the thing that's going to empower you to be able to do that thing that you love for a longer period of time and that training for anything it's really challenging lesson to learn Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I mean that brings us back to last year when I had the injury that I had to pull out of the London Marathon versus maybe where I am right now where I'm learning how to manage the wonkiness that is happening in my body in a Mm -hmm. way that's still gonna enable me to do the thing that I want to do but not do it in a way that could really put me on the injured list for a long time
0: and I think the change of you speaking confidently to even know that you could feel that way is is really powerful right like if you put yourself in the mindset of when you had plantar fasciitis pain like hardcore couldn't really do any runs you know felt excluded from your community right in certain ways like that current headspace at at that time wouldn't have let you you know really take that empowered sort of perspective in that way and you know there have been training sessions that happened but otherwise like not all that much really significantly changed in your life and your body, right? It's sort of like operationally doing things different, uh, mentally approaching things different, changing schedule, I think was a really big impact, right? That people I think don't really think enough about. Like, I think if you just listen to, to this, you'll know this is bad, right? If I say Emily ran 18 miles on Monday, Emily woke up Tuesday, Emily ran 18 miles on Tuesday, Emily woke up on Wednesday, Emily ran 18 miles on Wednesday right you would expect that something was probably going poorly right where if you would have ran 18 miles on monday and then you had tapered your training appropriately you ran 18 miles or 19 miles the following monday right like that that schedule and just choosing intelligently in that way is often enough to to stop something that's like a little bit inflamed and irritated from becoming a full on injury that you're managing for months and months right so sometimes it's just like order of operations and selecting differently
1: Yeah. And this is definitely the, I would say the question that comes in most often when I share that something is going on within my body, just the, how do I know when to train through it? And how do I know when to completely pull back? And it's a fine line depending on what you're navigating, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Totally. I mean, talk about to the listeners when, how did you know that you shouldn't train through the plantar pain, but then you had some foot pain, like the impinging on the top of your other foot, right? Right. How did you know that that was okay?
1: One didn't feel preventative to what I wanted to do. So the type of pain that I was experiencing, it would, when I was experiencing some top of foot pain in the middle of this training cycle, it would dissipate and go away pretty quickly when I was done running. Whereas mm-hmm. the plantar fasciitis was something day in and day out. And it got to a point at the very beginning of this training cycle where I really did need to adjust my plan because it mm-hmm. didn't feel manageable. It felt debilitating. It It didn't feel good. And I knew that pushing through that was only going to put me at a disadvantage later.
0: I, I seem to remember you being like, oh my God, this is going to explode, isn't it? You I, know,
1: I because you,
0: to- <laughs> you've kind of had yourself in the pain headspace.
1: I was in the headspace because it was an unfamiliar place for me to experience pain yeah again we're going back to this hyper awareness thing uh-huh. i was like could this be a bone thing yeah. <laughs> you looked at me and you were like no no
0: yeah no. but then we were able to address what's normal movement address what's normal sensation address what's normal mobility and then uh you know rest just enough to let it calm enough to test it again mm-hmm. and we did that progressive test and you know that whole time, I was confident that you were fine with it, and it, because you were also putting in work right. to fix the uh, the mechanics that you were working on, and those things will happen. Like you'll change one thing, and now you're changing the utility of something else in your body, and it might speak to you. And I think when you're in a pain headspace, it's really easy to, you know, kind of revert to that as your normal, and I, maybe that's something that's really powerful for people to just consider: is that even if you're dealing with a significant injury right now. Not every other pain you're going to experience is debilitating and significant, and you should kind of like charge your your ego up a little bit to be prepared to tolerate any other pain. Like you, you know, you should be more durable mentally than like, oh, my big toe feels a little sore. I'm exploding. I'm dying. I'm dying, right? Because a lot of us have probably been on on that trend, right? Because that's the mentality you've been spending time in, and it's not really that's not the reality. Like the body doesn't know that. It doesn't work that way. So if you know that your body doesn't work that way, you can, you know, assign different rules to different kinds of pain and, you know, address them accordingly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if something genuinely really hurts you and you choose to run through that, then you have to accept that that could leave you with an undesirable result. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, and especially early in a training plan or low in volume. So there are, there are certain things that everybody should be looking for, right? If there's pain that it pops up like immediately and then only gets worse, hopefully that should be a pretty obvious sign that this is something that you need to change your program around. And if you're going to approach it from, okay, I want to stay with the program I have, do three stretches and it'll go away, like the chances are not very high that that's happening, Right. But if you have something that you increase your volume, it kind of comes up slowly, it never gets too intense, and then it, it fades away shortly after a run. Okay, so that there's something clearly more duration, intensity, fatigue-oriented there. And if you can be attuned to that, you can know where to draw the line. And then that's something you can often train through mm-hmm. as long as you respect it on the other side where you need to rest and recover.
1: I did have a question that came in that I think is really relevant to right here, which is someone that says that something new kind of pops up mm-hmm. within a week or two weeks to if they have a big race. Mm-hmm. How did they know in that instance, like, is this something that I can run through? I feel like it's kind of echoing everything that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess my, my first piece of advice would probably be go talk to someone right off the bat as so- soon as you can get in get someone to put their hands on you and talk through exactly what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. and kind of suss out your options
0: Mm -hmm. it's peculiar to me that so many people want to do these like high investment activities but don't want to invest in coaching at all you know like independence is fantastic but especially if you're not expert or you're not experienced in whatever the activity is it doesn't have to be running it could be weightlifting it could be skateboarding it could be whatever if you expect to just push threshold up threshold up endurance volume frequency intensity and then you expect to have a full-time job you expect to have you know go out dating you know you expect to go to happy hours you go to dinners and you're going to balance all that intuitively as an inexperienced person i think it's a little bit naive you know and I think the more that people would at least just touch base, you know, at the beginning of a training program, especially if it's going to be 16 weeks of like marathon training or something like that, uh, that way you get a little bit of a rule set. Hopefully. Um, there was another question that I can just answer about if your physical therapist isn't helping you. Yeah. 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 I think that's an interesting way to get sure. Some therapists might not be like giving you the advice you need. Uh, but partially you need to be going into that encounter with, An idea of what you need to get out of it, right? So if you meet with a therapist, they shouldn't just be touching your leg and giving you stretches for your leg and then you leave, right? There should be a lot of discussion about how you do things, what you do, why you do it, what you're feeling when you do it, when you don't do it, you know, like understanding, like in that, that mutual uh, perception of what's happening. Right. And if you can do that early in a training plan, then you have the power to know what is likely to pop up and what is not likely to pop up. So, you know, in, in your case, we had the plantar thing. And is that likely to to speak to you in the process of a high volume marathon training? Sure. But if we know that we know a rule set around how we manage it, then we can say, oh, well, like, you know, this doesn't seem too swollen. It's only a two out of a 10. It only happened on mile 20. Two days later, it was gone. Right. And that would be a circumstance that's pretty easy to say, all right, we're not too afraid of this. Right. Um, versus something out of left field. My neck hurts. Uh, six out of 10 pain. It's sharp. It hurts all day. Right. That would be very different. Right. But that's unfamiliar. That's something that you should be really trying to reorient around and not just assume that it's going away right? in that way. So that, I don't, I know that that's not a running specific example, but Mm -hmm. you know, something of that, of that nature, that's like, oh, like I had no idea that there would be anything going on in this part of my body that is more, okay, let's place a limit on this. Right. And hopefully that's, you know, I think when you say it out loud, it sounds pretty obvious, but this isn't how people are operating. I think very often.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Inside Tracker. Now, when you do what you love, like running, racing, Enjoying the great outdoors. You want to do it for life, and Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you, and then offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. It's been so helpful for me. I just did, I think this was my third ultimate panel. And especially at the beginning of a marathon training cycle, it is so helpful for me to really home in on the areas where I may be a little bit deficient. Like many women, I am a little low in iron. My ferritin levels are a little low. And so, with the data from my Inside Tracker test, I now am monitoring this and making smart changes within my diet so that I can perform my best and give my body what it really needs. Of course, Inside Tracker has an offer for the Hurdle listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Something just go over to inside tracker.com, I N S I D E T R A C K E R.com slash hurdle to get this offer today. Again, 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store at inside slash hurdle. To go back to that question that someone had submitted about, uh, I feel as though working with my PT isn't helping me. There are also some things that are within your control that you have to own up and take control of. So if you are working with a PT who's giving you exercises and you're not doing your exercises at home to supplement the time that you're together, then that's on you. Also, if you aren't communicating in the way that Luke just recommended, saying, This is what I'm doing with my day, this is what I am not doing with my day, maybe lately I am doing more of X or why, and I haven't mentioned that to you before, like you have to be as upfront as possible with this person so that they can help you alleviate, navigate whatever it is that you're going through. And then the last thing here really is at times working with a physical therapist, think about how you feel when you work with a therapist. I don't know about you, but I have in my therapy journey, navigated or worked with a few different professionals and knew at one point or another that maybe that relationship wasn't right for me. You have the same opportunity when you're working with a physical therapist. So just because someone is qualified doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the right professional for you. So be Mm -hmm. honest and upfront with what it is that you need. If you feel like you guys click, if you feel like you have a good working relationship, because at the end of the day, not only is this your body, but this is also your money, which is something Mm -hmm. that will lead this conversation and do as well because it is a big investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, definitely go shopping. Like even, um, I have clients that I've worked with that I don't think that had necessarily bad experiences with me, but then they've seen someone else at Motive like filling in for me or whatever and they just really jive and it works and it's great. And they just maybe understand each other a little bit better than I had, uh, you know, a fit with that person on, on that day or those sessions. And if that helps that person navigate their experience better that's a win right and like not all not all people are suited to all people right i think like uh astrological signs right aren't there ones that are like really bad
1: (laughs) something like that i'm not not good i'm not good with astrology myself but i feel that so yeah shopping around is important but then again to that topic of money i mean thinking about coming to pt every week for three months like you Mm -hmm. said earlier It is an intelligent decision if you are going to go after a goal to invest in coaching. And I got to the point with my body where I knew what my goal was, and I knew that in order to get to my goal, I needed to invest in physical therapy. Like, Mm. hard stop, that's it. If you're a person that maybe doesn't have, like, the issues that I had or hasn't been navigating, I would say, persistent injury, then... I don't think anyone's going to tell you that you need to pay to go to physical therapy every week. But for me, in pursuit of my goals, I had to make that commitment. So it stopped becoming about, I don't know if I really want to do this. I don't know if it's worth it to me, to this is worth it to me. I'm going to allocate my budget to make this work for me. And then in that allocation of my budget, I didn't have like – kind of like the negative feelings or like the buyer's remorse that you could get when you like spending a lot of money dedicated towards something. It was like, no, this is a decision I already made and I'm going to go with it. Mm -hmm. And also on that note, I mean, a lot of people listening to this probably have like certain health insurance plans that would cover physical therapy. So depending on what your insurance plan is, you can find a therapist that takes your insurance, hopefully, so that when you show up, it's only some sort of a copay.
0: Yeah. At Motive, we let people send their insurance ahead of time and we'll tell them up front like exactly what it'll cost if they worked with somebody at our practice. Yeah. um, Pretend I wasn't here and talk about why you decided it was worth it to do physical therapy.
1: If you weren't here, and I would tell you this even if you were here, I'm very lucky that you and I have this great relationship. Uh, I decided to do physical therapy because like I just said, I did not think that I could get to my goal on my own. I truly, truly believe that not only do coaches need coaches but also there were things that i just didn't have the know-how to do and i needed to reach out to someone who could educate me and help me what do you think
0: yeah i mean i'm sure that's part of it yeah what's the other part i was wondering if there was something uh like uh just more in your life experience that that you know rather than so functional you know like if you you decided you needed physical therapy i'm saying this on your behalf yep i'm here um you decided you needed physical therapy because the newness of certain things would make you anxious and you needed help navigating that maybe yeah or um you were frustrated that you keep trying to have a certain goal and you're not getting to it on your own and you were angry about it maybe i don't know like i guess to me like sometimes um you know reading your own emotions is a good way to fi- figure out like why you you want to invest in something or not you know yeah so if you if you bunked out of something and you like really didn't care that much or like didn't want to change your behavior because of how that happened then like i would really question your own motivations to be involved in that thing you know like i think like if you failed at something and it really didn't bother you in a way that you want to take action you think about that right and i think that this time that seemed evident to me that it was a. Not a personality shift, but, like, it was, like, consciously, like, oh, like, I'm not going that way that I went before. Yeah. I'm not going to do it that way.
1: Yeah. Um, And last year, I didn't work with a coach. I came to you, like, when really I was down and out already, and I just decided that, like, I did not want to repeat I wouldn't even call it a mistake, but I didn't want to repeat that again. I am, you know, a certified run coach, but that doesn't mean that I don't need help. Everyone needs help, I believe, firmly. And I had my run coach on the show not all that long ago, Rebecca Stowe. And I decided that I was this time around, A, going to work with a run coach and B, going to work diligently with a physical therapist. And like, that was it. That was the decision. And again, I didn't question that decision. And it empowered me and made me feel like to your point that I could kind of like stop overthinking and just like ask the questions that I needed to ask sometimes without I'm already prone to being an anxious human. So mm-hmm. like to be able to like ask a question and get an answer and then like I put my trust in you. Right. So this is probably the the biggest the the last big learning Really, I mean, and there is so much, but another big learning from our time together is like, I trust in you, right? So if I show up and I'm like the top middle part of my foot is hurting and you are like, I'm not really concerned. And Mm -hmm. I, in my gut, in my soul, in the center of my chest, like I'm concerned. Well, if you're not really concerned Mm -hmm. and you're the one that's like touching the foot and feeling the foot and asking me all the questions that you need to ask and you have all this education, then like, yes, I can trust my gut, but really like I trust in you because mm. you're the one who probably knows I can articulate like what's going on, but you're the one who has seen this before. You've worked with people before. And like, that is your role for me, someone who has been traveling a lot, doing the best you can with all of this training. Like I needed people to like be in my corner so that I could navigate the right way to move forward when I knew that I wouldn't have all the answers.
0: Yeah, and I think I try to, in those situations, not just be the guy that knows the stuff because I think that that, um, A, can be very annoying, but B, doesn't help the person um, sort of be like comforted or self, self-soothe, self if you will, yeah. wrapping their head around what's going on. Because if you talk to them instead about, you know, what you are not seeing that would be concerning okay, here are the reasons, right? Here, if this was really a problem, I would be expecting more of these type of things and talk to me about how you feel about that. Are you noticing any of those things? And really, again, like conversational about it rather than just, oh, this bone seems fine. This muscle is tight. Stretch it. Dumb, dumb, you know, like, (laughs) which I think is actually how some encounters go down. Right. Um, And then God forbid that something goes wrong from that point, that person is now like double damaged off of the experience right yeah uh, which I think can be a bummer so I think like if you're going to work with somebody not just a physical therapist but a coach it should hopefully be somebody that's going to will be willing to communicate with you in a normal human way regardless of the fact that they know more about a certain thing and you know more about a certain something else right mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that's something that definitely took time for me to figure out in my career because I think early in my career I would just be like don't, you this is obvious, just do these five exercises and you'll be totally fine, right? Like, um, and, you know, even though that theoretically would be true, the outcome would never happen, you know? And it's like sort of, uh, how you encounter and how you talk to people, it makes a huge difference, especially depending on how they are. So, you know, that person may not be a fit to a certain communication. I have other clients that I have to say, like, come on man you're being such a baby about this like come on like don't just damn do it you know and that's like the coaching that that they need um but I don't think that's you
1: (laughs) hopefully not hopefully not you know you mentioned uh or quipped about going home and like doing those five exercises as Mm -hmm. a PT I'm curious like how often would you say that someone comes in for PT and you give them homework and they don't do it
0: um i think that at motive we probably have a higher success rate of people doing this stuff than a lot of places but even at that it's probably 50 50 yeah at best how can I'm, you tell nothing changes mm. um and there are physical cues to that and uh psychological cues to that and behavioral cues to that you know they keep making the same mistakes when in their training plan then they're clearly not listening they're not they're not willing to have a conversation in which the rules might need to change. Mm. And if that's the case, it's unlikely that things get better, right? So I always tell people that as a physical therapist, it's got physical in the in the name, but my goal is to change the way you think. And I actually really approach it that way. Because if you had a physical problem and you didn't need help or to change the way you think about it, you wouldn't be at physical therapy. You'd be on your own with it going away because it was just a physical thing. But now you need to... You've come to an impasse, right? Where something needs to change. And I think actually often the rules need to change and how you think needs to change. I'll use exercises to get at a specific thing because technical things are real. But really the goal is for you to understand, oh, you know, you did that plyo exercise on your left foot and it felt like breezy and simple, right? And you did it on your right foot and it's like, oh God, what the hell? Like, where's my leg? You know, like what's going on with that? So um, it didn't really matter what, exercise per se, if the, you know, the end goal was you realize that that's limitation and understand how to change it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're making me sit here thinking about the difference between my left and my right hip, but Uh, that's, sorry, it's a conversation for another (laughs) day. I, before we jump into a few listener questions, I have a question for you. What would you say that you've learned working with me?
0: what i've learned working with you i think that it's been a good blend of working with somebody that hasn't done coaching that much before and now is fully engaging with it and not um overdoing that aspect of it i think Mm. because you got you picked up a run coach you picked up a physical therapist you picked up some recovery services that you've been like pretty regularly making use of right and i think that what i've learned to do better maybe is make sure that she's like tempering the usage of all these things they like applying appropriate importance to those things right because right. sometimes I think in New York we get really like I guess type A is like an easy way to describe that like go-getter like do more do more do more and is it easy to just suggest another thing to go do and another thing to spend money on sure but that may not be like really the best solution and The way that you've been kind of actively engaging with all these things kind of keeps me in check with my thinking about like, oh, like, yeah, interesting suggestion. Like, what do I think about that? You know, so I think that 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 sort of like active assessment of that has been good.
1: I'm glad, I'm glad to help you with my type anus. Okay. We're going to break into a few hurdler questions here because I would be remiss if I didn't take this chance on their behalf with you in the hot seat here, Mm. does Luke recommend foam rolling or massage guns to his clients?
0: Uh, so I'm, I will preface, this is not a never do this thing, but generally no. And the reason that I say generally no is because I think a lot of the time that time people are spending with that if they were to do something specific to their own needs would be time better spent on that instead of the foam rolling or the massage gun which is really not changing anything um it's kind of like a passive engagement right and i like i just gravitate towards things that are more Mentally engaging while physically engaging.
1: What I've learned from working with Luke is really like everything comes back to foundational movement, right? So mm-hmm. if you can determine and examine perhaps the discrepancies between your sides, if you're having a certain issue mm-hmm. or uh, really home in on a specific area that needs a little extra love, then spending the time doing exercises to uh, fix an issue rather than mm-hmm. band-aid it. Via the use of whether it be certain tools or creams or sprays, whatever it might be like, that will always be the goal from most PTs POV.
0: Yeah. And it's always it's what's the context as well, because I think um, we like to train and work on increasing capacities, not just like changing. And, and stretching and exercising just because right so if you needed to have a certain amount of power to run 740 miles to get the marathon goal you want okay do we have the core competency to actually do that mm-hmm. and where would the breakdown be likely to occur if it were to break down right that i think is the way to be more reliably successful than to like just neurologically mash something with a massage gun and then hope for the best.
1: Yeah, and you're you're reminding me of an important question that comes in, and it's related to perhaps the anxiety that comes up with changing the plan that's already written in pencil. Mm-hmm. And over the last few weeks, as I've been navigating a little bit of new tendonitis in the left knee leading up to the race on Sunday, we pivoted and I started doing more cycling rather than Mm -hmm. running to give this particular wonkiness like a little bit of breathing room and Mm -hmm. perhaps time to heal a little bit better and as I did that I got a lot of questions that came in surrounding the idea of well what's going to happen to all my training Mm -hmm. what's going to happen and you just said right now you said do you have the capacity like yeah. there is a mutual understanding between you and i that i have the capacity to run a certain speed do a mm-hmm. certain thing i wouldn't have that capacity if i drove my injury into a greater place of discomfort and really angered it right so yeah let's why can't you can you uh can you comment on that for me can you comment on the idea of like understanding that a week off isn't going to negate what's going mm-hmm. on with your training
0: yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, understanding who you are as an athlete is relevant as well, and yeah. I think that you know, I'm staring at the poster that says 32808. So we know that you have that capability in you, and you know, rate your training for that marathon out of ten.
1: Hard eight nine, like okay. really solid. Yeah. So that
0: was like a really good effort for you, right? And so we know that that capacity is there. So if I put you in a box for two weeks, the, you know the day after that, and you had to run another marathon, how far off of 3288 do you think you would get?
1: If we had to pretend that I hadn't run the first one and taxed yeah. my legs, then I think I'd still probably be pretty close to pretty that. close, yeah. right? So
0: it's like if you have a certain capacity and you know understand yourself as an athlete, which is easier when you're experienced, it's harder when you're inexperienced, then you kind of know, you know, if you're a pitcher, you know you throw ninety seven miles an hour. You yeah. know, on a bad day, you throw ninety five miles an hour. And like you kind of calibrate yourself to to expectations that way. And I think that in your case. As long as we maintain some physical capacity and cardiovascular engagement, we can be pretty confident that you're getting a good result if you don't injure yourself before you get to the race, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, like I said, harder for a new person. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think coaching, again, even more of a an asset.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, another question that came in from Chelsea, I believe her name is, how to know when you're ready to return for a run if you mm-hmm. feel as though, feel as though, I'll use those mm-hmm. that in air quotes here you've healed
0: (laughs) the vagueness of what you're healing from is obviously uh, conspicuous here. Yeah. I would say that you shouldn't be afraid to reintroduce some amount of the activity that you're working with throughout the healing process. So if you've expected to wait, be healed and then do what you were doing before bad policy, right? In the process of healing, you should have been able to involve some amount of, the activity or training related activities for the thing that you want to do. And I feel like if I had to guess the headspace of that person is coming from where they're not
1: quite in that there. place. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: They've been in the waiting and hoping place. And that, I think that's a good uh, opportunity for coaching
1: and I I also think here is a really good time if this is a question that's relevant to running to reiterate the value and benefit to run walking. Mm-hmm. I over the last 2-3 years navigating different moments of injury, all mm-hmm. like I would say three decently sized injuries that I've come back from mm-hmm. involved weeks of run walking. And it was something that Emily, before working with coaches, may have been resistant to and adopted Mm -hmm. that first mindset. It's like, oh, it still hurts, not ready to run. Oh, it still hurts, not ready to run. But now being able to build up that resilience and build back to the capacity that I knew that I had been previously capable of, that reminded me and instilled in me the value of sacrificing a little bit of what feels quote unquote normal to get to where you want to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what every person says that we look at and then try to alter mechanics. What do they say? This is exhausting, Mm. right? They're like, like, you want my knees to go how high you want my butt? you want my heel to kick how far you want my arms to move? Like what you want me to do this cadence? You want me to do that? You want my foot underneath me? You want this? You want that? And they're like, it's it's exhausting, right? So why wouldn't you give yourself the opportunity to be successful in a run walk? Where you, you know, say you start by running for two minutes, walking for two minutes, Mm -hmm. because you were already exhausted doing it for 40 seconds on the treadmill. Like, you do you think you're going to go out for 10 miles and sustain that? You know, like it's actually just it's just good training. You know, give yourself the opportunity to actually do the thing that that you're trying to do.
1: Do the thing that you're trying to do. I feel like a lot of the other questions that came through are like specific. It would be like how to deal with posterior typical tibial foot pain or how mm-hmm. to navigate tight quads. I will give in one area specific question to you. Cause I know Hit that this me. is, this is a, a commonality between amongst runners is navigating tight hips. Is there mm-hmm. anything you would say to the general running population about navigating tight hips?
0: Running, especially for endurance, long distances, long amounts of time or at very high speeds is tiring for the hips and it will create neurological tension at a minimum and then likely over time, connective tissue and muscle tissue tension over time. Mm -hmm. And if you're not addressing that in proportion to the amount that you are engaging with activity, you should expect those things to continue to increase, right? So I think of a lot of things as like like a bank, right? If you put $200 in the bank and your rent is $100, right? Like it was 1961. And you take out $100, you have $100 in the bank, right? And you know $100 is coming out of your bank every month, right? So your bank is replenishing at a certain rate and it's you know, being emptied at a certain rate. And if the rates don't match, you're going to have a problem, right? So if you run and you do 1% of the recovery that you should do or 1% of the movement diversity, let's say, that you should So 99% of the stress, 1% of the recovery. How do we expect that to accumulate over time? Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Runners like to run. They Mm -hmm. don't like to do the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the future and how much you might want to run when you're 50, when you're 60, if you still want to run, I think you should probably put a lot more proportion into thinking about maintaining your capacities and maintaining your normal, which is like how you can move, what range of motion you have, things like that.
1: Things like that. You know, the reason why professional runners are professional runners is not only because they run well, but because they have now – found more often than not some sort of sponsorship that enables them to put in the time to do all the other things that they need Mm -hmm. to do that they need to do to run well whether that Mm -hmm. be prioritize their nutrition make time for all of this recovery like actively go and lift weights like there's so many things that we don't see when we go and turn on the tv and watch kira damato or kipchoge Mm -hmm. like crush at berlin and they crush because they put emphasis on so many of the things that uh, slowly recreational runners mm-hmm. often overlook. And again, there's a reason why they're the best in the world. It's because yeah. they, they focus on that.
0: And I think, think about what stress you have in your life. That's contributory to how you feel every day, right? Like those people don't have, you know, 60 hour a week, 70 hour a week, Goldman Sachs desk work to do. Yeah. They're not going to have a certain type of stress in their body. Um, I pretty much stand up all day for, for work. I'm not gonna have certain type of stress in my body. You know, someone else sits down all the time, they will. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't expect to act like a professional if most of your life is taken up with <laughs> being a professional of something else, right? Of something else. Yeah.
1: Of something else. I'm so excited that we finally sat down and did this. Yeah. Is there any other knowledge, wisdom, Lukeisms that you want to dispel on the hurdlers before I let you go? <laughs>
0: um, knowledge and wisdom, I don't know. But uh, I think move more of your body, more of the time, you know, if you're, if you're interested in an activity, regardless of what it is, chances are that it doesn't use a lot of your body to do that. So if you think about running, since we've been talking a lot about that today, this very like forward motion, sagittal plane, knees and arms forward kind of motion, right? A lot of us end up lacking rotation. We lack movement side to side. We lack core activity. We lack, you know, diverse breathing. You know, we, we only get engaged with moving that way. And that over time is not what the human body really likes. So, you know, whatever the activity is, do more with more of your body, more of the time. And that doesn't mean like, bash your head in the wall weightlifting. It doesn't mean go to yoga 19 times a week. It means diversity, right? I think that that would help probably everybody.
1: Movement diversity for the win. Luke, so happy you came in. How did the hurdlers follow along with you? (laughs) What do they need to know about motive? Give me the details.
0: Um, so Motive, Motive NY is a physical therapy and wellness studio in Soho, New York. You can find us at MotiveNY.com, M-O-T-I-V-N-Y.com. Follow us on Instagram at M-O-T-I-V-N-Y. You can follow me personally at Luke Motive, L-U-K-E, M-O-T-I-V. Um, I'll say, though, be prepared for predominantly photos of my son. Who and is quite cute. Cool. of like exercise and physical therapy stuff.
1: <laughs> ten out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over at Hurdle podcast and at Emily a body, another Hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.